Welcome to the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Real people, real stories, real talk. So thank you for joining us again for the second part of our Spooky Unexplained series. We are going to start with an update on some things that were brought up in yesterday's episode. So Heather, I know that you did a little research on the gray man. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, absolutely. So when you and David were talking about the gray man, I have to admit, I did not know that story, even though I did grow up in South Carolina and I'm a huge Unsolved Mysteries fan. And I know Unsolved Mysteries did an episode about the gray man. So I went straight to researching it. And what I found out is that it's a ghost that's primarily seen on Polly's Island mm-hmm. in South Carolina. Polly's Island is about 40 miles south of Myrtle Beach State Park, where your story took place yesterday. Mm-hmm. So not that far apart. So the gray man appears to people who live on the coast of South Carolina. And usually people report that he warns them about an upcoming major storm, such as a hurricane and tells them that they need to leave. There's also reports of people who see the gray man that their houses are protected from Mm -hmm. the storm. So I think the episode on Unsolved Mysteries about the gray man, that's what happened. The people saw him and they left their home right before the major hurricane, which was Hugo. Mm -hmm. And when they returned, their house was perfectly intact literally like not a shingle missing and all the homes in their area had been basically Wait. decimated. Mm-hmm. I think there are actually photos too online of the gray man. Like I think they're, you know, wispy, wispy mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah. I don't know. Now it is totally possible that that story that we told took place in 1988. Um, yeah. It's and that was my first thought when I studied yeah. this. I was like, okay, you guys are both kids. So was it the summer of nineteen eighty eight that you saw this figure? Because if you did, I think that's you know, a check mark in the yes, this could be the gray man. Mm-hmm. I mean it's totally possible. I won't count it out, but I do I do think that idea sort of falls in line with the everyone who's reincarnated was Cleopatra. I don't know that this particular figure that we saw matches I mean it was you know in a campsite with a briefcase um the gray man is usually on the beach um so I mean it's totally possible maybe he was just hanging out you know getting ready to tell some people (laughs) yeah well I mean you know he's he's he gets his notification from the ghost (laughs) leaders that the there's a hurricane coming so he gets his briefcase and he heads down he passes through uh myrtle beach state park on his way to polly's <laughs> island i'm just saying it's totally possible and i mean myrtle beach state park is you know just a you know a sand dune away from the beach it's not like it's not yeah. on the beach but yeah. um but yeah totally possible i wouldn't rule it out um i'm not sold but it's an, a neat idea yeah. And I love the thought because he comes from the fire and then walks like right into a tree. Mm-hmm. That what yeah. happened? So I wonder if those are like portals. So that's like just a little gap mm-hmm. between the portal from one dimension into another. And he just was 
you know, traveling because yeah. he's got his little briefcase and he was leaving one dimension and going right into another. Yeah. I mean, I will say that there are, I have heard a lot of ghost stories where ghosts just walk right and in, disappear into a tree. So mm-hmm. that is a, a ghostly thing to do. I don't know why, yeah. but the portal thing is interesting. Portal to, I, Mur- I to like Polly's Island. <laughs> like um, Nightmare Before Christmas type stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Hmm. Interesting. Um, These are totally portals. Okay, so we very, very briefly mentioned um, the church that was moved by the hand of God in the last episode with David as well. Um, And this comes from an area where our family was from. And it's a really cool story. So I thought that I would just read the little blurb about it from visitnorthcarolina.com because it's really interesting. And that in itself is kind of an unexplained story. Um, Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. On September 16th, 1876, as their new church was being dedicated, a hurricane hit the village. Reportedly, heavy rains and wind tide pushed in from the Pamlico Sound and flooded the town until the village and surrounding area were five, under five feet of water. The winds were strong and relentless, and the new church building was floated off its brick pilings and began the journey which gives the story credence. The church traveled north and then east, eventually reaching the exact piece of property the congregation had earlier attempted to purchase. After turning itself around, facing Main Street, the church settled onto this higher piece of ground and remained there. Title to the land was eventually obtained in 1881. The church moved by the hand of God holds regular worship services and the public is invited to to attend. So basically like the idea that, and because this is in um, a book, that I remember reading too when I was growing up about one quarter North Carolina. And um, like, I guess the church really wanted to be in this one particular area and they tried to raise money to be in that area and then they couldn't do it. And it was a major bummer. And then there was this like big hurricane and the church was like literally floating down the street to the exact area that they tried to purchase. And it ended up, like being perfectly positioned, you know, where they wanted to put it anyway and couldn't raise enough money for. Wow. That's crazy. I know. I've never heard of that. It's really interesting and it's totally legit. Like there's a plaque on the church and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was like eyewitness accounts. All these mm-hmm. people said they saw the church. Mm-hmm. They floating. saw it floating down the street. That's really cool. Um, okay. So this week, we asked our listeners to send in some of the stories that they have of their unexplained experiences. And we are really excited to share them with you. Yes. So sit back, take a listen. Happy Halloween, everyone. And let me suggest go into a dark room, turn off the lights, get under the covers and press play. Our first story tonight comes from Cherry. Who's going to tell us about her real-life spooky experience taking a tour of an old haunted mental hospital. So here's Cherry to share her story. It was a dark and stormy night in Los Angeles, which is quite unusual because it's not normally raining in LA. But it was very appropriate for the night that was about to unfold when I went on a ghost hunting tour of an old abandoned mental hospital in downtown LA. 
I've always been interested in the paranormal and when I heard that they were doing ghost tours at Linda Vista Mental Hospital, I thought that it would be fun and kind of spooky, scary experience and I was right. <laughs> so I signed up to do the ghost tour and it was at night. We were told to come to the parking lot in the evening, we'd meet there and to bring a flashlight and a recording device. That evening in LA, there was a thunderstorm. The rain was pouring down, it was cold, dark, spooky. So we met up in the parking lot with our flashlights. We went inside the building down into the basement to start with. It was already scary with the spiders and the rats. The only light that we had was with our flashlights. As we moved them around, bumped into each other. Hey, who was that? What? Something just touched me. Oh, sorry, it was me. What was that noise? It's just me, sorry. There was a group of about 15 or 20 of us to start with, and we laid down the ground rules. It was professionally organized, so there were people who were in charge, and then there were the other people who were the guests on the tour. They split us up into smaller groups, and we went off to explore the different rooms and corridors of the mental hospital. It was made even more spooky because there was old equipment left lying around, like people just suddenly left the building. Gurneys, chairs, even files on the floor. Very strange. Me and my two cohorts were in our room. We turned off our flashlights. All we could hear was the rain outside and our deep breathing as we were waiting, listening. Is there anybody there? Is there anybody there? What was that noise? Oh, I don't know, it wasn't me. We got some interesting recordings on our devices, different sounds that we weren't sure what they were. Was it paranormal activity? I'm not sure, but it definitely wasn't from the three of us. We moved around the building, saw different rooms, got different recordings. It was very cold, damp, spooky, scary, dark, but really actually quite fun. Uh, at the end, we all got back together into the big group and we went down into the boiler room where somebody had passed away. We were going to try and contact him. Everybody, turn on your EVPs. We're going to try and make contact now. The leader of the group called out his name. Are you here? Henry, are you here? What was that noise? <gasps> weird movements, weird sounds, things caught on the EVPs. Did we make contact with his ghost that night? I don't know. But there was definitely something spooky in the air that night. This story gives me full body chills. I've seen opportunities to take haunted tours before, but I've never had the courage to do one. 
So kudos to you, Cherry, for being so brave and for being willing to tell us your story. Now, here is Kelly to read us our next story submitted by a listener. So this story comes to us from Misty. You know those times when something hits you in a way that every single hair on your body stands up? That involuntary response to an extreme emotion leaving you with chills? I was a hospice nurse for three years and had my fair share of those goosebump-inducing moments in that time. I'm sure I've forgotten many of the exact reasons for getting chills, but there are some specifics that have stuck with me through the years. Many things in this world are unexplainable, especially some of the words and visions experienced by people near death. I had one patient that always saw children in his home in the weeks leading up to his death. I had another patient whose family told me she saw Jesus sitting in the wheelchair at the foot of her bed in the days leading up to her death. And my own grandmother told us that she saw my dead grandfather waiting for her before she passed. Some have seen angels. Some are more than ready. Some hold on for specific reasons or until they're given permission or told that it's okay. Some won't pass until the agitation subsides. These pre-death visions and experiences happen all the time, too many times just to dismiss. I would always listen intently when my patients would share their thoughts with me, and they would always leave me with goosebumps. Wow, that's a really powerful story. I'm really glad that Misty shared that with us. Um, It gives me goosebumps too. So I don't know, Kelly, what do you think about people seeing children? Like, I'm really fascinated about this one. Same. That was the one that really hit me. Um, I've heard a lot of stories about people seeing their, you know, dead spouses right before they pass or, you know, people who came to bring them over to the other side. Um, but the children thing is really interesting to me. And I mean, I have, I have the chills just think, just talking about that right now. So Thank you, Misty, for sharing those stories with us. Um, Very interesting. Okay, Kelly. So what do we have next? So this is a story sent to us by Aaliyah. I wouldn't have said that I believed in ghosts, but I do believe in energy. As a nurse, I've had the experience of being in the room when a patient dies, and I swear there is something palpable in the air, a drop in temperature, a change in barometric pressure. But you can feel the energy released. Anyhow, a few years after my grandmother died, she visited me in a dream. Now, I know that seems like a bold statement. I've had vivid dreams. I've even had lucid dreams. But this was an entirely different experience. In my dream, we sat at a small round table together, and she looked worried. She was silent. I tried to talk to her, ask her what was wrong, but she said nothing. She had this purse, midnight blue and faux leather, and she set it on the table. She opened it up and took out her hands. She handed them to me, and they were cold, dry, wrinkled, spotted. They were her dead hands. She locked eyes with me like I was supposed to understand, but I didn't. I have mulled over this for years now and assigned a half a dozen possible meanings, but truthfully, I'm still not sure what she was trying to say. But here's the other part. As I awoke, above me, I saw these little orbs of white light. They sort of scattered and dissipated upward and were gone in probably under two minutes. I had never seen something like that before and have never seen it again. So I still don't know what my grandmother was trying to convey, 
but I know that despite the lack of concrete evidence or scientific explanation that she did visit me. Maybe it's something I'll understand when I'm ready or need to. Also, her birthday would have been Monday, so I always think of her a lot this time of year. She thought of herself as a devoted Catholic, but Mexican Catholicism is steeped in currentismo, and I always thought of her as a witch, but in the best possible way. She once performs an exorcism on me with an egg, but that's an entirely different story. Um, what a great segue from the first story that mm-hmm. she kind of talked about what people see before they die, and then her experiences when people are dying of that mm-hmm. energy that she can really feel is like tangible. Um, right. So that's really awesome to to think that that that's something people can experience and have felt. But yes, the grandmother story, I absolutely love this. And right. I think there's meanings you could derive from it. Mm-hmm. And I love that it, it goes from a really, really intriguing dream to actually seeing orbs when you wake yes. up. So you're <clears throat> seeing that energy come and visit you while, I mean, that's, it's, thank you for sharing that, Leah. That's a really cool story to me. And I, I really, I want to know what it means. I really want to know what that means. Um, and maybe, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I love it. And I totally believe that she visited you as well. Yeah. 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 I think the orb thing is also really cool and takes it from the dream world into something um, like you ever have those dreams where you are holding something and then you wake up and you're like clutching your blanket mm-hmm. and it's not not there. So to me, this is like the opposite of that, where you're having this vision, you wake up and the remnants of it are still there. You're still mm-hmm. holding on to the last pieces of it. So it really validates right. the experience. Okay. Well, moving right along. Next, we have Matt, who is going to tell us a story about a haunted house he lived in with his family when he was a child. Hi, Kelly and Heather. This is a story for my mom. My parents live in a big old farmhouse that was built in 1880. When they first bought the house, my mom would often find dead birds that had flown down a chimney in one of the upstairs rooms. That part of the house was pretty spooky. The ceiling had also been painted hot pink with dark green walls, and she says it was ugly enough to put you on edge. One day, they had electricians come in to do some wiring, and my mom had also done some cleaning in that part of the house. That night, Dad had gone out, and me and my sister were sleeping. Mom was watching TV downstairs when she got a spooky feeling. She looked up, and there was a man standing in the doorway. He was dressed in gray and wore a hat. My mom says he was the color of a wash of old milk paint. She explained to the ghost that she had just been doing a bit of cleaning and hoped he didn't mind. And then the man just disappeared. And that's my mom's story about the gray ghost in their house. Thank you, Matt, for sharing your mom's story. I don't know what is more scary, the ghost sighting or the thought of a room painted hot pink and green. I do think my favorite part of this story is that your mom communicated with the ghost to let him know she didn't intend to disturb him. It's so interesting that both Kelly and your mom have seen what is described as, quote, a gray man. So I can't help but wonder if these sightings are in any way connected. Maybe we can explore that more in part three of our series. So now we are going to hear a story that Sarah sent in. 
Hello, my name is Sarah, and I'm one of those people who pretty much have spent my whole life not t- totally believing in maybe an afterlife or ghosts or spirits. I was born and raised Catholic, went to Catholic school till eighth grade, and then went to public school for four years and then went off to the military. So when I was in the military, I met a friend. We connected right away. He had already been at the unit, but I had just arrived. I was a new soldier. We were both from Michigan. So once we found that out about each other, we immediately bonded. So we became really good friends throughout our time together at Fort Hood, Texas. In 2004, we deployed. He went with one unit, I went with another. And shortly, um, so I didn't get to see him that much throughout the year, but of course we stayed in touch with the different units. I did help support his unit. Um, He was in Taji, Iraq, and I was in Baghdad, Iraq. Right before we left for Iraq and when we got back, he ended up leaving early. He got injured. So he moved into a home that I had with some roommates back in Texas. So he had, he was kind of staying with us before we left, but not officially moved in. And then when he got hurt and had to come home, he did pick that place as his home, which was great because he was able to keep lookout and all of our things and make sure everything was fine while we were overseas. I got home in March of 2005, and we roomed together with one, two, three other roommates until June. So we lived together for a little bit, but pretty much we're friends for two and a half-ish years. And then he and I both got out around the same time. I got out in June of 2005, and he got out shortly after that, so we came back to Michigan. Maybe it was like a year later. I think he did a full eight years, and he still had you know a couple years left. So he wasn't quite back to Michigan yet, but I had returned home in June of 2005. So by the time he got back to Michigan, we kind of kept in touch here and there. Um, Unfortunately, in 2016, he died in a motorcycle accident. It was very tragic. He was wearing his helmet and everything. A van wasn't paying attention and hit him, and he died on scene. So it was really upsetting. He um, had two children. Those, of course, were his pride and joy. He struggled here and there with trying to adapt to civilian life and, you know, adjusting. So it was kind of a hard time, but he had recently met... A new woman that he had been with for about a year and they were amazing and he was kind of getting his life back together so it was devastating when this tragic accident happened so I head over to the east side for the service the showing visit with his family and a few of our battle buddies came so it was great to reunite with them and the day of the funeral Ryan was buried at Great Lakes National Cemetery A lot of military veterans and and people are buried here. And this is the crazy day that kind of made me believe maybe a little bit in spirits, a little bit more. Not so much that I saw anything, but truly what I felt, like deep within me. It was the craziest thing. So I get up that morning. um, The car, Ryan's hearse, his his mom knew him very well. Ryan loved fancy, flashy things. So I got him a really awesome Lincoln hearse. It was a beautiful hearse. And uh, that hearse was coming from Mount Clemens. That's where the family was from. It's on the east side of Michigan. Uh, And it's about an hour drive from where Ryan was coming from to the cemetery. I was staying at a friend's house, and I was only about a half hour away. Um, I 
uh, one of the things I just remember getting ready that day was early. We, me and his brother, who was also in the military, decided to wear our uh, class A's. Yeah, class A's. So we dressed up, and I remember getting ready that morning. I had my kids with me, and I was getting my younger son dressed, and he accidentally poked me hardcore in the eye, like super scratched it. I couldn't see. <laughs> Like I couldn't keep it open on top of Arthi being very emotional and crying a lot. So my eyes were just a mess. I was went from actually being early um, to being late because I had to find a Walgreens. I'm not very good with directions, but I found a Walgreens and I had to get certain kind of drops that would help numb it. Um, you know, also extra saline. And I think I might have even bought myself a patch because I knew I still had to drive home after, um, you know, the the funeral. So... I end up being a little bit late at this point, and I remember getting onto the expressway. It was a weird area where you get on to meet on the expressway, and mind you, I was a little bit late, and I thought it was insane because as I got into the expressway, Ryan's hearse was passing at the exact moment, and I got behind the hearse, and I followed him about the last 25 minutes to the cemetery, and... I remember crying. I couldn't believe I was behind him, knowing this was like, you know, my last journey. One thing that uh, Ryan and I did back in Fort Hood, Texas, when we lived together, is we'd go for drives in his car. He was all, a big car guy. He um, put, you know, exhausts and mufflers and fast things and, and speakers. And so that was his thing. And we would always go for drives and listen to music really loud. So I did have my children, but Ryan was one of his favorite DJs was DJ Tiesto. So I remember blasting Tiesto crying my eyes out and like almost like having a conversation with Ryan as we were driving to like his final resting place. And it was insane to me. We were of course both late. It was random that we were both late. (laughs) Um, well not really actually, we were always both late, but I just, to both me at that point, um, on the expressway to ride in. So yeah, that's my experience that kind of opened my eyes to just listening more, I guess, and being, and, and just being more aware of, the present moment and what's going on um since then I do feel him every once in a while like say thing like just like I'll think of something and I'm like that I feel like that memory or that moment came in my mind for a certain reason so yeah I feel like I'm a little bit more of a believer now wow thank you so much for sharing that story with us Sarah it definitely sounds like your friend Ryan had a final ride with you um it's a really touching story and it definitely makes me think that he was with you on that day. Up next, my husband is going to share his experiences with ghosts. Some that are very scary and some that are good. Hi, my name is Chris and I see things in the night. Ever since I was a small boy, I've been able to see things that others cannot in the shadows, in the mirror, floating around in the ceiling. As a young child, I remember waking up and seeing beings floating over my bed. I was so afraid. After a while, I stopped being afraid and told myself that I am what people are afraid of in the dark. I often see and fight ghosts and demons in between a sleep and awakened state of mind. There are snakes and bugs and many things that appear all over my room, and their fight-or-flight instinct sets in, and I attack them until they are destroyed or I'm able to escape. 
Back in my youth, I was forced to go to seances and Ouija board readings with my evil aunt that tried to kill me and many other family members on several occasions. I remember the last one very well because of what happened. As we sat there, all holding hands, calling for a spirit, the lights flickered on and off. You could hear the footsteps coming down the stairs. As panic set in, we scattered like humans running from a panic bull. This was the last time I ever participated in these types of demon callings. I'm still able to visit and talk to people who have passed away somewhere between my dream and awakened state. <clears throat> this can be a frightened experience. Other times, the dead lead me to certain slot machines or table games and casinos that are going to pay out. This is certainly something that I enjoy channeling. One story about this was years ago in Cherokee, North Carolina. I was there with my best friend from South Sudan, Luol Roon. We were in bed sleeping, and I woke up screaming and hollering that I saw the blackjack man, and we needed to go play right away. The blackjack man was actually standing right beside my bed, and he was solid black. This ended up being a very good trip, as we both won huge amounts of money in the wee hours of the night, and it has become a folklore story that he often tells to anyone that will listen. My wife understands this and never questions me anymore when I tell her that I have the feeling. Just today we enjoyed a shopping spree and our mortgage being paid thanks to the ghosts of the past leading me to the right location to win. Thank you very much for listening to my story, and I hope everyone has a very safe and spooky Halloween. Well, you can't complain about a ghost that helps you win money. That being said, I know firsthand that some of these experiences Chris has while he is sleeping are very scary. It's not unusual for him to jump up in the middle of the night, screaming and actively attacking an unseen entity. This used to really alarm me, but I've gotten used to it now, and I usually just tell him that nothing is there and he should go back to sleep. So thank you, Chris, for sharing these experiences with us. It certainly suggests that there are ghosts and that you have some connection with them. And last, but certainly not least, our final story tonight comes from Jessica. And here's Kelly to read it. So our final true ghost story of the evening comes to us from Jessica. It was at the Hotel Provincial in New Orleans on what I found out later was the most haunted floor of the most haunted building of the hotel. It was like two or three buildings connected in a square shape with an opening in the middle that was used for parking. The building we were staying in was the oldest part, I think, and had once been used as a hospital during the war. Our room was at the end of the hall right next to a loud and rickety elevator. The stairs were all the way at the far end of the hall. In the middle of the night, I heard a bumping and dragging sound. I thought it was the elevator at first, but then someone actually used the elevator and the noise kept happening. It was like a bump and then a drag. And all I kept thinking was that it was like someone taking a step and then dragging their other foot behind them. It went back and forth down the hallway a few times, and then it just stopped. Then, it felt like all of the air in the room changed somehow. Like when someone opens a door, 
There was no noise, but it felt like there was someone else in there. My mom, who is the lightest sleeper I've ever known, continued to sleep through all of this in the other bed a foot away. I wanted to open my eyes so badly, but I was too scared. I was laying on my back and with my head toward, turned towards my mom's bed, and I was afraid to move at all. All of a sudden, it was like something pushed my entire body down into the mattress really slowly, and then a huge weight was sitting on my chest. It felt like someone had their face right up in my face. Not like I could feel breathing or anything, just the feeling. I couldn't move at all and was too terrified to open my eyes. This lasted for a couple of hours, it felt like, and even when it was gone, I was too scared to move. When the alarm went off and my mom got up, she opened the curtains and lit up the room. She turned around and she saw me and she asked what the hell was wrong with me. She said it was like I had been smooshed down into the bed and was white as a sheet. That is all. F that haunted ass hotel. The end. Oh my God. That is the scariest thing I've ever heard. And I don't think I've ever heard this story. But that totally creeps me out. Yeah. So this happened. So I know Jessica. You know Jessica. (laughs) Um, And this happened a couple of years ago, I think. Um, I remember when it happened. Mm. And I remember it was in the last few years um, because I remember going over to her house for her to tell me this story. And it was terrifying, terrifying. And I could feel the fear coming from her when she was telling this story. And like, I can't imagine what it would be like to have that feeling or even have that sound. And if you look this hotel up, it looks like a perfectly normal hotel. It is one of the most supposedly haunted hotels in all of New Orleans. Um, But, wow. Yeah. And I would have almost excused the whole thing as a horrible, vivid dream until the part where her mom looks Mm -hmm. at her And she's physically smushed into, like, the bed. So, yeah, that's really, really creepy. Oh, my gosh. That's the stuff Nightmares is made of. Right. And it's one thing to feel that for a minute, but to feel like that for hours? Like, I cannot even imagine. That sounds crazy to me. And if you think about, if you think about that, if it was an old hospital during a war, that, like... The idea of someone with like a prosthetic limb or, you know, like an army soldier, like, you know, that kind of like chain Mm -hmm. sound that they make when they walk because all their gear on them is like rattling. And then having them like come in the room with you and just like having that feeling that someone's in the room. I can't even Mm -hmm. fathom. So thank you for sharing that story. I think. Yes, it totally sounds like there's somebody like pacing up and down looking for their room and then they go in and basically and lay, lay on, on the bed. The bed. Just... So, I mean, that to me is like just such a, a full, comprehensive experience, ghost story, complete with the validation from the 
other person in the room Mm -hmm. when they woke up. And it even sounds like, you know how when people talk about ghosts, they talk about there are um, like hauntings where the ghost knows that they're a ghost or that they're, you know, doing whatever. And then there's just residual hauntings. Like that's the kind of thing that could potentially Mm -hmm. be residual. Like they're just doing the thing, the same thing every night for like hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Because it's what they did on Mm -hmm. earth and they don't know. And they don't know they're dead. How to get out of that waiting place or the. It's like a loop. You know, the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jessica wins. Um, What do we have for (laughs) Just kidding. Um, No, that was seriously the best ghost story I think I've ever heard from a person I actually know. So I love these stories because these are all stories that um, represent the like different aspects of unexplained paranormal situations. We have visitations, we have what happens after you die, and then we have full on ghosty ghost stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's why it's such a broad topic because it's interesting when you say, tell us a ghost story, Mm -hmm. the different types of stories that come from that. And to me, I'm really into supernatural. And so while I claim to be somewhat of a skeptic on ghosts and sort of this traditional way we think of them as dead people haunting us, I'm certainly a believer in supernatural. And I think it encompasses all the options like parallel universes or different types of spirits um, on earth interacting with us or different realms or what have you, things I can't even imagine, right? Um, And so, but this one is like just really that classic trapped soul ghost story you know where it's going on like it almost it seems like it was oblivious to Jessica being mm-hmm. there like it's laying on top of her you know in the bed and and so it wasn't there to haunt her or scare her per se mm-hmm. it was just going about it today and oblivious have you seen the movie the others oh my goodness so that's my favorite ghost story movie ever because I think that yeah. it is the quintessential story you know mm-hmm. like no if you haven't seen it I don't want to say anything but I will say even if I know what happens that's one of the few ghost stories that I can watch over and over again because it is just so beautifully done yeah yeah well and the first time you see it it's such a great twist mm-hmm. but I think this is that kind of story it's like about the ghosts being trapped in a place and having no idea that they're the ghosts and thinking they're real people because they can't see the real Spoiler people either. Alert. They just keep seeing things. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't see the others, um, well, sorry. But anyway, great movie regardless. It really of, is. Know, I can also watch that movie over and over again. And it's not necessarily that scary in the traditional ghost movie kind of way, mm-hmm. like with the jump scares. It does and have the, some like, jump scares. It has some moments, but I agree. It's it's beautifully yeah. done, and and it really imparts a whole experience. Right. And I think, hopefully, sends you away thinking about things like, what if the ghosts don't know we're here mm-hmm. either, and they don't know their ghosts, the the ones that are trapped exactly. in that um, sort of purgatory state. So anyway, I think that's great that that ghost story um, kind of falls in line with that concept. Absolutely. You know, I love connecting her life to I know. when it comes to ghosts. So. 
it's a must do thing for me. I support it. Every ghost story will be connected <laughs> to a movie. <laughs> Well, Kelly, I've really enjoyed hearing these stories today, and I'm so appreciative of our listeners who were willing to share these with us. Um, I definitely feel like I believe in ghosts a lot more today than I did even a week ago. So this has been compelling for me. So join us again tomorrow for the third and final part of our Spooky Supernatural series. And as always, keep it real. <laughs>